What's up, OG fam and first-time fam? Welcome to another edition of Man to Man. I'm David Wazicki, your favorite certified transformational nutrition coach. And today we are back with yet another fantastic guest, somebody a bit closer and uh, personal for me out here in these LA streets. He's an amazing comedian, amazing actor, producer. He's been in the game close to like 20 years, I think. Last time I checked the IMDb, um, if he's updated it. And he's probably best known for his role on uh, Superior Donuts on CBS. The film Sorry to Bother You, which has one of my favorite scenes of all time uh, with Lakeith Stanfield. Um, He played Lavelle in Coming to America, the sequel. His latest project, he stars as Manny in the Hulu original series, The Drop, now streaming. Please give it up for my guy, the one, the only, the Jermaine Fowler. What's up, my brother? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yay! Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Reggaeton horns. Thanks, man. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> 20 years? It hasn't been. It's 20 damn years. I didn't even realize that. Let's get crazy. in there. Let's get in there. I think... Um, no, yeah, you're right. 17. Yeah, yeah. No, I started when I was 17 years old. I am 34. Uh, that, that is, you round that off. That's 20. Uh, let's go to. Let's go for 20. <laughs> In COVID years. <laughs> yeah. Does COVID count? Because I wasn't doing shit. For the past. <laughs> we stretch it out. That's crazy. We stretch it out. Wow. That's wild, man. Do you now feel like an OG in the game, or people make me feel like that, but I don't feel like that. Yeah. Which is good, uh, I guess. Um. I just feel like there's still like an immense amount of uh, about this I haven't learned yet. So mm. I think they say when you hit 20, that's when you start figuring it out. You're just like, oh, which is so cool yeah. and something to look forward to. But damn, it's still weird. I, I remember the day I wanted to do comedy, the day I decided that I wanted to pursue stand-up comedy and the day I wanted to be an actor. It just feels so, it's just, well, I'll never forget it. Why? All right. I want to ask you that. I definitely want to talk about that. So we're going to put a pin in that because we got to start as we always start with every man Mm -hmm. who has come through the halls of the man-to-man show and Mm -hmm. ask you our one man-to-man blue check certified question. And no Mm -hmm. man has yet to give the same answer. I'm hoping you'll uh, be in your uniqueness here. Uh, no pressure. But um, <laughs> you ready? Yeah, yeah. What does masculinity mean to you? I guess I've never really thought about masculinity. I am a man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know or think I care about the definition. Mm. You know, I'm super comfortable in my skin. Yeah. I don't, I don't overthink it. <laughs> I, I'm a man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know how to respond to that. I don't know without, uh, with all due respect to the question, of course, and, and the dudes out there, but I'm, I'm me and I, I try to <laughs> not think about it too much. You know what I'm saying? It's uh it's a very complex question because it can mean so many things to so many people yeah. and it doesn't have to, because it should just be, that's me. <laughs> I, I should, you know what I mean? Um, I don't know. Nah, I, I mean, know. that's the answer. That's mm-hmm. the answer. So 
Mm. One, you pass. You're good. Unique answer. <laughs> Box checked. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I never... In my 34 years of being a, a, a boy and then a man, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I was never been asked that question hmm. and I never cared about that. Never cared about it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny. Never came up till today. Interesting. And yeah. so even you being a father of two, an amazing Amazing set of kids, beautiful girl, beautiful boy. I've had the pleasure of saying hi to many a times during school pickups and drop-offs. That still never came up, even even uh, as as you look at having one of each. I guess being a father is different because uh, you want to take your experiences, your mistakes, mm-hmm. what you've learned. And pass it on to them. Yeah. Uh, from my daughter to my son. My daughter. Uh, let's start with my son. My son's. Uh, he's very brutish, and I want to. I want to help him find another side of himself to convey and to you know to communicate, because he can get aggressive, and so uh, I want to help him find you know the uh, another way of expressing how he feels. You know, so that's important to me. And then my daughter, just uh, preparing her for what she might encounter in yeah. the future. Yeah. You know, as far as uh, the people she might meet, um, the people that might, you know, just people in general. I think that's what the num- one of the number one things a, a parent should help their kids with is just prepping them for what, the, you know, what, what's to come. So that's what I try to do with both my kids. And um, I can only do it from my experience. I can only speak from my experience and I can only right. guide them through what I've seen and what I've done. So that's really it. And I can only come from this side of, you know, the uh, equation as far as, you know, me being a dude and all. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's it. Being a dad uh, actually helped kind of, gave me a sense of purpose as far as like what it meant to be a dude, you know, be be a man. So mm. Um, I'm like, oh, okay. I know that. I know that. I'm help him with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I love that. <laughs> love that. Yeah. Well, since we're on early days with your children, let's pivot back to your early days mm-hmm. um, with starting with stand-up. So yeah, you know, I have a note that there, there was something that happened once upon a time in high school and you got encouraged about doing comedy is is that right i remember mm-hmm, i did a talent show after school and I, I wanted to do stand-up comedy and one of the jokes i did first joke i did was about uh fe- female hygiene commercials that would come on tv <laughs> okay. how they were. and there was a panel of female judges uh who hated it just Word. They didn't let me finish. I wasn't even finished. I had to act out everything. And I think that was fair because I because everyone was singing and dancing and all that corny crap. But I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm actually speaking my mind, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm different, man. <laughs> so they wouldn't let me finish, which was corny as hell. But I'm glad they didn't because had they, um, you know, if I didn't bomb, you know, I don't think one of my friends would have walked up to me and said, 
Yo, that was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. You should keep, you should keep doing it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, watching comedian bomb is one thing, but watching your friend bomb is another thing. I love watching my comedian, me, my comedian friends eat a dick on stage. <laughs> we all do. Why? There's nothing better than <laughs> well, because there's nothing funnier. Because we're all expected to, to kill. Like, yeah, we're yeah. all capable of killing. Sure. But just one. Just some nights you, you just won't get them. Yeah. And there's some nights when. It just it's not clicking. They're they're tricks comics do to try to get out of a bad situation. And sometimes when you know what they're doing, like you just see them trying to do the tricks and it's not working, and you just go, it's not working. It's so funny. Um, on top of that, um, I think you know how funny an entertainer is by how they get out of a shitty situation like that. Mm. There's so many great com- comedians who will either bring it back around. Or take the audience right with them. Yeah. And I love both of them. Yeah. So watching a watching a peer do that is just it's it's a spectacular thing to witness. <laughs> so I think one of my friends felt that way. And I just kept doing it. But I I didn't have any encouragement really, except for <laughs> some of my friends who would just drive me around. Yeah. Um in Hyatt's Maryland in their cars and stuff and you know, we would drive to coffee shops, bars we couldn't really get into or wherever they would have comedy. And we were just like a group of misfits trying to figure life out, dude. So hmm. that was my life for like a year and a half in uh, the DMV area. What then said, I want to do this acting thing? Like, how do you go from, I, oh. you know, I, I know certain standups, it's like stand up for life. Like, this is what I know. This is all I know. And then there are others who have that multifaceted, like, nah, I want to get in the acting game now. I, I think there, there's something here. Like, where, where was that spark? Well, you can do all of it. Without, you know, putting yourself in a box. I just felt like when I was 11, I mean, I, I've been in love with movies since Lion King. <laughs> what was that, 94? <laughs> when was Lion King? 90, I forget. But that, that was when I was like, wow. I mean, my first, my earliest memory of being in the movie theater was probably Lion King. And I was just astounded. That experience. I just I just love being in movie theaters. Yeah, yeah. That's still kind of my sanctuary. I'm so happy they're still around post-pandemic or post-quarantine. And I feel like uh, they just, um, just a safe space. And that's an ironic thing to say these days that we think it's a safe, safe space. space. <laughs> right. they are not. <laughs> and, but they are, uh, at, the, at the time, like my dad kicked me out of the house one time. Uh, almost every time my dad kicked me out of the house, I would go to the movie theater. The last time my dad kicked me out of the house, I went to go see Peter Jackson's King Kong. And that was a three hour or some movie. And I figured... All right, by the time this movie's over, I can figure my life out. And I did, because it's long as shit. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. But I wanted to pursue acting after watching that movie, The Rock, with Nicolas Cage, which is actually ironically, right? I have I got this on, I think Etsy or something. <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies. Dope. It is one of the dopest movies ever. Nick Cage. Great. Yeah. Nick Cage. <laughs> so... That's when I was like, I want to do action movies. Hmm. I just they just look so fun. Yeah. And then I I wrote a sequel to The Rock, but uh, I knew there was no way of. It just felt like there was no way to do acting from my hometown. I was in Hyattsville. The only thing that was truly filming was The Wire, in Baltimore, forty five minutes away. Yeah. And yeah, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to audition for The Wire. Right. So I was like. <laughs> Well, it, it felt like there were too many, like, it was too, so much red tape to go be an actor. So I was like, what else could I do? And I, I knew I was funny, 
And I was like, maybe I'll, I remember I used to draw. So I was like, maybe I'll be a cartoonist or an illustrator. And I'm like, nah, you know, I don't know how to draw like on for the computers and stuff. I don't know how to do, um, I don't have any programs to illustrate or anything. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. And there's so much, everything just, I didn't know how to do anything. I, I, I really didn't. I hated my high school because I didn't feel like they prepared me for anything at all. That's... I hated those people. Yeah. <laughs> Truly hated them. And I'm no joke. Um, they tell me to, you know, come talk to the school and, and talk to the students. And the days I'm like, hell yeah, come talk to the students. Other days I'm like, man, fuck that school. I didn't really do anything. <laughs> and I think everybody feels that way sometimes about the yep. high school. Yep. Um, dude, so... We'll get back to that, but yeah. <laughs> uh, there's still there were there were, there were two teachers that really that really spoke to me. Uh, one was my Japanese teacher, Miss Robin uh, Robertson. Wait, wait, was, wait. Uh, her name is Let's put a pause on that. You know how to speak Japanese? I know how to write my name in Japanese a little bit, but as far as having a conversation, yeah, that is a different story. Anyway, so that teacher was amazing because her class was full of all the the, the outcasts in school who love anime mm-hmm. and anyone who's interested in trying something completely new. But, uh, and not, a lot of my Japanese uh, class students are still my friends today. And she is too. I still text her every now and then. She lives in Baltimore, ironically. Hmm. But um, yeah, she was always great. But then um, when, when high school, when I graduated, it's weird. Cause like when I, when I first started high school, I was a pretty great, I was a good student. I was a B student. And then when I when I when I when I graduated um, C, maybe maybe C, because that's when I realized I wasn't going to college. I just was like, "What's the point?" What's it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even I think the valedictorian of our high school had a tough time getting into a college, and it was really strange that everyone kind of felt just like, eh, you know, yeah. Man, it was the point, and that was definitely me. And then I. Uh, my my neighbor Grady, it's gonna sound crazy, but like uh, before I met Grady, I remember I was doing a um. And this probably goes back to the masculinity question, but I remember I was writing this essay for uh, a college. I think it was Hampton, okay, University in Virginia, mm-hmm. and for, I first applied to all the all black uh, the historically HBC- black CUs. Uh, colleges, yeah, yeah CUs, yeah. And I was like, it take me. Yeah, that's easy. In. That's easy <laughs> yeah. in. I already yeah. got one of the requirements, David. Right. <laughs> and so yeah. And so I applied to Hampton. And I remember I was like, just I was writing an essay and I forgot what the subject was or what the topic was. And I just remember being stuck. Like, I don't know what to write about. I don't know. I've never done this before. And I didn't have any guidance. Like, no, I had none of my parents. My mom was already my mom already left. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents split up and my dad was working a lot. And I remember I was in my room and I just started crying, just like crying. Cause I just felt so like, lo- like stuck and lost. And sure. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I was 18. Yeah. And so my dad came to me and was like, why are you crying? I was like, cause I don't know what I'm doing, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, I've never written a college essay. I don't know what I'm writing. And then my dad looked at me and he started crying because he wow. didn't go to college. Either. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we were just crying. And I think we started laughing because we were like, <laughs> I ain't going to college. <laughs> so, and so that was, um, that was like one of the, like, few true bonding moments I have my dad at that time period because hmm. we were all stressed out. Sure. My mom bounced and they were going through something. 
me and my siblings are trying to find a place to live, uh, going back and forth to my mom and dad's house. And it was just a strange time, man. We were all broke, you know? And um, I think my neighbor, Grady, I, I tell the story a lot, but they don't know that part, you know, the part where I needed to, I needed this moment in my life because it yeah. truly, it changed my life forever. Okay. I went to Grady's, uh, my Grady was, Grady was like four doors down, maybe three doors down. And, uh, he, uh, and so, uh, <laughs> and so <laughs> I think I was walking past his door. His door was already open and he said, um, Hey, Jermaine. I was like, what's up? And he's like, your daddy said you, um, you've been, uh, interested in doing stand-up comedy, uh, lately. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. But you know, I'm still trying to figure it out. And I think he gave me, uh, he did, he gave me this thing. It was an Eddie Murphy uh, raw VHS tape. Oh, amazing! And yeah. and everything. Yeah. And I was just like, "What's this?" And he was like, "Eddie Murphy raw." I knew who Eddie Murphy was because of Nutty Professor and I mean Shrek and everything my generation knew him for. Sure, sure. And that's how cool Eddie is. Eddie's been just relevant for every generation. Right. It's just really it's just perfect career. And so I remember uh, I went home. I watched it for the first time. I was astounded. It like blew me away. And that's an understatement. Then I watched it again. Yeah. And I was like, wow. I just, I wouldn't stop watching it. That's when it clicked. I was like, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. Hmm. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And my friend Travis, who wanted to do it with me when we first started, his, uh, his aunt was doing stand-up comedy. And her name's Cassandra. And she was so sweet. She uh, got us into these um, comedy courses in DC. They were taught by this guy named Fat Cat. And Fat Cat had, you know, a couple, you know, I guess stand-up comedy, you know, seminars or whatever. And he uh, taught us one equation. One equation was, um, I remember it was simplification plus exaggeration equals comedy. That's what he taught us. And hmm. as a kid coming out of school, you're just like, wow, <laughs> that is masterful. <laughs> and all the things, that open, you, you know, you do your first year in comedy, you know, you try a course or you, you go get a book a comedy book i got the comedy bible by judy carter i think that was her name okay. and the, the back of it had all the comedy clubs around the the nation you could call email or whatever i called all of them i wasn't even ready <laughs> and i sent a tape into the dc improv uh, a terrible tape i don't even want to talk about it and then um uh and then I, I was out i went out to go do clubs around the area the first show official show at a non-venue I did was next door of my job. I used to work at Zips Dry Cleaners and next door was a music studio. Huh. And it said, uh, they always had a, they had a banner on their window they had for like a year. And I remember that banner never came down. And the banner said, looking for talent. And I was like, I'm I'm a, I'm talent. Yeah, yeah. And I, I knocked on the door in his basement, knocked on the door and they opened it. Hey, what's up? I was like, hey, I'm Jermaine. He goes, oh, my name is Jermaine. I'm like, that's cool. That's cool. It's meant to be. Yeah. So listen, I see your banner. So you talent. And he goes, oh, that banner about a couple years old, man. We just never took it down. And I was like, oh. He said, what you do? You a rapper? And I was like, nah, nah, I'm, I'm a comedian. I'm a comedian. And he goes, oh, well, we, we are a recording studio, man. I was like, all right, all right. But he said, come in, come in. I was like, all right, cool. Came in and uh, they were recording some tracks. Um, this, uh, Caribbean artist named Saiba was recording something. And he was like, yo, you know, uh, I want to hear your jokes. I'm like, I was nervous. I was like, wow, I don't really do them. Like, you know, right, right, like, right, right. like <laughs> I, need a, I need a crowd. And he was like, all right, you know, why don't you come back tomorrow? You know, we'll get a crowd for you. You do your jokes. And I'm like, 
Wow. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. So all my homies. I told all my homies in um in my apartment complex, and it's a big apartment complex. It's like eleven stories. I'm sorry, eleven floors, and uh, it's just it's big. It's like the PJs, but uh, you know, not that bad. So sure, anyway, sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, I told all my homies I play football with in the building and basketball with all my my childhood dudes. I was like, Yo, I'm doing a comedy show. Uh, in College Park, Maryland. And they're like, all right, cool. So we all went to College Park, which is where I work. So we walked to College Park. And uh, it was like 11 of us, like 11, 11 of us just like went there, did the show. I remember I was just doing jokes about Birdman <laughs> and Lil Wayne. And it killed. I did a good job. Uh, it, was, it was dope. I did, a, I did jokes about Lil Wayne's tattoos or something like that. And it was cool. And they were like, yo, come back, man. You got to record some skits for... Uh, Cyber's album. I'm like, all right, cool. And it was, that was like my first gig and my wow. first show. After that wow. I was off to the races. I was like, I'm gonna be a big star. And then uh, <laughs> I, went, I started doing really real comedy shows, and I was eating a dick on stage, man, dying. <laughs> Any jokes? I wasn't talking about anything that was important to me. I just stuff I thought other people were laughing at. And mm. then my dad kicked me out of the house, and that was the most important time in my life. I think when my dad kicked me out because I, I knew something had to happen. Yeah. Something yeah. had to work out. The low so point. Yeah. I left. Yeah. I went to go see King Kong and I came back and was like, I, I was like, damn, do I, do I, move, do I go to New York? Cause I've always wanted to go to New York. Let me go, maybe I go to New York. So I thought maybe I moved to New York and, uh, you know, maybe bum it out there and see if I can make it. But I decided to stay with my grandmother, which was perfect because she was so patient with me. And, the sweetest person. I named my company after her because she's hmm. she helped me a lot. And so, what's your uh, grandmother's name? Dolores. Dolores. Oh, that's my mom's uh, yeah. um, middle name. Okay. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. She, how old is your mom? If you don't mind me asking. Sixty-eight. Sixty-eight. It's such a generational name. Like you don't meet a lot of Dolores these. Days. Yeah, right. It's yeah. a great name. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's kind of how I started in a nutshell. There's a lot of craziness yeah. that comes with it. I'm not well, that I'm sure, and I'm sure there's a lot of stories and jokes and insights <laughs> that go along with it too. I'm yeah. curious because for me, you know, I, I talk about this all the time with comedians. I'm fascinated the good ones. I'm fascinated with the complete <laughs> with the complexity that comedians have. Where, you know, you have somebody like a Jim Carrey, you have somebody like an Eddie Murphy, where stand up on that stage, kill it, right? But then they can go dramatic. And it's like some of the best dramatic performances you've ever seen. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute, you can do that? Or Jamie Foxx, another one comes to mind. You can do that? And then I look or I listen to backstories and, you know, some of these documentaries and now hearing your story and, you know, and some of which I know, I know already, but, you know, how you were raised and um, some of the circumstances you were put under, I feel as though the really good comedians, there's some, I don't, I don't want to say comedy is kind of like this, this, uh, this mask to keep away from like some of the darker things or some of the trauma, but I can't think of a better phrase or term to use, but I almost feel like comedy is this, it's this vehicle to get out of that. It's to get out of some of those darker times It's to get out of some of those traumatic moments mm -hmm. because you also speak, you know, again, you, you speak to what's happening in real life 
And to your point of that formula, you put it in a simple form, you exaggerate it. Sometimes you don't have to exaggerate it. Sometimes that's just what it is. And um, voila, you you have the the you know the secret sauce for for comedy. But you know, again, in hearing your story, and then you know, I, I know some things that you know did uh, take place with you uh, recently, and you and I even talked. I, I think to even get you on here, we started talking about mental health, and you're like, yeah into that and you know i'm starting to work on myself and i i feel like with, with comedians there's always a lot to unpack listen i've <laughs> yeah. been on mental health before it was a buzzword you know what i'm saying i've been into that Same. since you know yeah not everybody's into it i don't feel like i should be into it no more i feel like a fad i'm just joking <laughs> <laughs> we're <laughs> done no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm yeah. everybody's into it now yeah. man fuck <laughs> i'm just fuck. No. Yeah. yeah, look, I, when I first, I, I love I love that, I love what you said about, like, comics who delve into drama, darker sort of spaces. Yeah. Because drama and comedy, they coexist. You, you really don't appreciate a laugh until you've earned it. Yeah. You really got to earn that laugh. And that comes with what? Uh, m- momentum and, and, and storytelling and suspense yeah. and yeah some of the best me some of the best comedies come from really dark movies uh mm. Warner brothers i mean tarantino got some huge <laughs>, laughs from me uh <laughs> but you have just raw comedies that that just don't that are so irreverent and yeah. do what it wants to do and i love those as well i think um some of my favorite dramatic actors are comedians and i think some of my favorite comedians are dramatic like uh who uh, leslie nielsen was a soap opera actor really and yes yeah leslie nielsen was a serious aware. actor yeah yeah he was a dramatic actor and then i don't know what happened that he turned into frank right. from naked gun right but naked gun and airplane those movies those movies, come on, man. Yeah. And they, they play them so straight. Yeah. And that's why it works because you play it so dramatic that the lines just, just hit harder and they, they have so much more feeling to them because you just play it so real. And that's what Lesney, uh, he mastered. Uh, Robin, Robin Williams, Whippy Goldberg, uh, yeah. Billy yeah. Crystal, you know, like uh, Eddie. Wow. Yeah. Richard fucking Pride. God damn. Um, just like, just talented. Just, just, Utterly talented entertainers, dude. They could do anything. But I've always said, uh, you know, you're a comedian and, and you have a, a curiosity about acting. Really entertain that. Yeah. You know, you, it's, I think it's a it's helped me out in a, in a lot of ways. Uh, the acting and my stand up they they do a good job of kind of feeding off each other. And I think I've, my my timing's gotten better as an actor because of my stand up. And I feel like my stand-up comedy has gotten uh, a little uh, more meaningful and a little deeper because of the actor. Hmm. So I think they, uh, yeah, I think they, they benefit from each other immensely. Do you feel like it's somewhat cathartic for you? Like I, I always try to understand, you know, from, from a comedian, again, from a comedian's perspective and, and some of the greats that you've mentioned, you know, I, I, I feel like, 
you all, it's, it's your purpose to give everyone else so much joy. And at the same time, you know, you mentioned a Robin Williams and, you know, that he was dealing okay. with, you know, mental health challenges, right? Things we probably couldn't fathom. Like how could a man this happy and give so much joy and resonate so much just radiant positive energy go into that deep dark place where he just he couldn't pull himself out of it. You know, how do you and and I'm asking you personally because again, you you do the same. You know, you're doing the same. And I, you know, I know there's some things that that happened recently, you know, with your mom and with a close friend of yours um, in the in the uh, comedic community as well. And I know you had to go through some things and process some things and you know just yeah. with mental health in general, how do you give everybody else joy? Where where do you bring that to yourself, or when does it come back to you that it it almost feels selfless? You know what I mean? It almost feels selfless, like you're giving, giving, giving. Are you giving to yourself? And I'm asking, you know, you, Jermaine. Trust me, there have been uh, when all that crap was happening. Yeah, there there was a there was a couple years when I didn't feel like giving shit to anybody, Hmm. even um, even my partner. I I didn't I don't want to give her anything. I didn't, I was angry. I was, I was out of it. I was out of it. I was unavailable in so many ways and it was troubling. And so I didn't want to go on stage. I didn't, I didn't want to eat. Yeah. I didn't want to live, dude. Like, I, mean, I was just like, this life? Yeah. Like, when you hit 30, it's so crazy because when 30 hits, it's like, oh, man. You thinking like, man, it's gonna be great, man. I'm gonna be these 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 my homies. I'm I'm you know I got a kid now. Yeah. And, you know my mom's gonna meet my kid. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna fly out here. And yeah. Then boom, you know. Uh, and then you know your best friend. Yeah, some shit happens, man. And I just uh, never had everything happen like that all at once. It was a lot, and uh, it changed who I was, and I didn't like that, and. I wanted to, I think what helped me get out of that rut was therapy, of course, mm-hmm. but also a really dope community of people, people who I could relate to in regards to similar situations that they were going through. That helped a lot. And after kind of gathering myself a bit, which was necessary. I feel like if I were to jump right back into what I was doing, I don't think it would have been healthy for me. Yeah. I think that's another thing I think people need to realize like it's okay to take time for yourself and go go away. Step step back. Yeah. Reassess, regress, yeah. all that shit and figure out what you need and what you want to do. The more I feel you put yourself second, it could kind of cloud judgment and you're not putting, um, yeah, pr- you know, your priorities kind of get a little unbalanced a bit. And so I'm, I'm just glad I, I could recognize that. And I've always tried to take time for myself. I mean, even me and Kevin would joke about that. Like I always point it back here because that's yeah. Kevin's arm. That's like him right here. Uh, so. Um, like he's here. I'm like, yeah, you know, like, wait, no, he's dead, right? I'm like, yeah, I know. He's dead. So he, um, we would we would jokingly talk about quitting Hollywood to go move 
into the woods mm. because as a joke, but like we would talk about that because we knew there were just other things we wanted to accomplish in life. Yeah. There were just other, this is so small compared to how big the world in my life was. Yeah. And so we were joking and talk about, man, why are we in these writer's rooms? Why are we auditioning so much for, you know, why are we trying to, why are we breaking our backs for people who don't care about us in this industry? Like, why do we care so much? Like when we could go hunt deer. We were jokingly talking about getting getting farms, like going living in beach towns and like just growing dreadlocks, shit like that. You know what I mean? So, but we were we were actively just like we we knew we wouldn't do it. You know what I mean? Because we love this so much. Like we love this so much. I love this so much, so much. Uh, And I've never been more passionate about anything in my life. I love making making art. I love doing this. But yeah. I do realize when there are times when I'm feeling like I need a break, when I need to step away, when I need to leave the city for just a, a weekend or something, I have mm-hmm. to fucking go do it. Otherwise, yeah. I'm not going to be my best self. That's not how yeah. I work. That's never, that's never been how I work. I've always felt I'm better when I can m- go m- to a different place, go meet other people, go see how Go do something I've never done before. That just recharges me. And yeah. that's what that's that's what we were talking about all the time. And it's just ironic. That's what he was doing mm. when he when he when he when he passed. Yeah. So uh it was um it was, you know, I feel like if we're all going through shit, you know, we're all going through something, everybody. I'm no different than you, you're no different than me. We're all got something that we're going through. I just felt like uh, that's why I wanted to get back into stand-up was because of that. Everyone's got a story to tell. Everyone's got their own shit. And yeah. I felt I can connect to people on that level through, through some jokes. You know, do some jokes about it. And yeah. I felt like that's connected me to the audience a lot more than, than I used to because I just feel kind of, I don't know, I feel more full as a person. I just feel like a more of a person now when i would go on stage i just feel like before i would just like you know this is funny but now i'm just like <laughs> i'm really i need to talk about this i need to get this yeah. off my chest so that's been kind of the difference the past couple years actually hmm. i love that i love that one thing you brought up also kind of ties into this one little nugget which resonated in your movie the latest role Let's uh, do a little segue here um, into your latest movie, The Drop, where there's a character, Robbie, that asks you, <laughs> how are you doing? And you follow wow. up and you're like, we don't ask men how they're yeah. doing. And yeah. you know that's the check-in. It's something I spoke with a few folks in the past, in past interviews about like the man check-in and more and more folks, especially during the you know, quarantine and all of that started doing those check-ins. I mean, I look, there are a whole lot of reasons why a lot of men don't do it. And thankfully there are a lot of good reasons now why men- What are the reasons you think? Why they don't? Yeah. I think we've been taught, for me in particular, it's something taught in a previous generation or two where we're just always supposed to suck it up. Suck it up, buttercup. Just hold it all inside and you know you you hold all of that pressure i mean metaphor to a bottle right you put 
these bubbles in a bottle. You shake it up, you shake it up, you shake it up. You're trying to contain it. You're trying to contain it. At some point, it's going to blow. It's going to have to release. And unfortunately, in previous generations, I mean, I can speak to my dad specifically. I mean, he would rate, he would rage out, uh, nonstop arguing, go on a, you know, binge drinking, go do some things. He shouldn't have been, you know, spontaneous, spontaneous, spontaneous outlets, spontaneous things that become vices. So there's a lot of spontaneous things. You do it over and over again and they become a vice alcoholism or gambling or whatever the case may be, you know, just a lot of verbal abuse upon the family because you don't know, you were never taught, how do I channel this energy? How do I manage my emotions? How do I, yeah, how do I manage myself? You know, it's like, you know, I'm thankful there's, with our generation, there are these conversations where we have to, what you alluded to before, it's taking care of yourself first in a parenting role. Like that's one of the biggest things I've learned so far being a uh, dad is if I don't take care of me, you're no good. I am no that, good. Man. And I will, there will be a lot of things that I will project onto my daughter that may be traumatic, that may be the same things that were projected on me, which took a lot of <laughs> a lot of work. A podcast episode. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to unlearn and just relearn some, you know, some healthy ways and, and healthy habits. So that's, you know, that's like the simple answer. Yeah. And you know it's funny, I hope people realize that like just because you went through that as a kid, mm-hmm. I think that's also important to kind of on the word embrace is the right word, but a lot of people, now that you've seen it and you want to address it and reconfigure it, I think that's also just as important as, you know, dude, you've gone through it. And you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that, I think that the experience in that, what we went through is, you know, my dad was not much of a, he was very religious, Mm. still is. And, you know, at times I feel like, there are people who use that as a scapegoat yeah. Um, oh, yeah. to do things they shouldn't do. Yeah. And also, I think that's a scapegoat for people who don't know how to communicate and want to communicate. Let's pray to God about it. Right. Let's, uh, let's go to church. Let's, uh, you know, he'll fix it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you know, God gave us brains and two working eyes, hands and a mouth and, you know, to to do this on our own, you know, right. <laughs> you know? I think he's gone. Right. I think God left a long time ago and he's, he's, you know, we're, he left us, he left us this for this, for us. You know what I'm saying? Can we talk? Can I talk to you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've always, um, I've always, I never understood that. And I was raised super like Uber Christian. You and me both. Wow. That's a, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I've, I've, always, I've seen the downside of entrusting so much yeah. into you know, and I'm like, I'm right here. Like your son is right yeah, here. Talk yeah. to me. Right. Your kids are right here. Can we have a can we have a connection? Yeah. You seem to be more connected with God than you are with your kids. And you think it's not okay. Like I don't think that's okay at all. At all. I don't think it's selfish. Like it, it's it's super like to be like, you know, to 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 I remember um there were these moments when like um my mom and dad split up and we would pray every night about it. Hmm. 
And I'm like, well, why? Clearly some is not working. <laughs> you know, you're not meant to be, or you figure something new out and have a dialogue about it. But it doesn't, it doesn't feel, it didn't feel like it was a, a healthy way to go about that situation at all to just say, let's, let's uh, gather in a circle, hold hands and pray mom back home. I'm like, what are we praying her back home for? It's going to be the same situation. Can we fix the home before? <laughs> right. You know, we, she comes back. Otherwise, it's going to keep happening. Right. So I, I, not, I have nothing against religious people at, at all. I just feel like I was, I was just raised in a house where, like, it was just so prominent in the household that I didn't, I didn't feel like I was important or what, what I was going through was important or what uh, the things that needed to be dealt with weren't being dealt with because. You prayed away. You know. <laughs> prayed away. All away. Yeah. Prayed all away. Yeah. yeah. So that's one thing when, when people say when, when they want to check in, oh, the whole man check-in thing might might be super feminine to a lot of dudes. It, it might be unnecessary to a lot of dudes because they got God, you know. Uh, yeah. It might be it, it might be a bit um unnatural for a lot of guys to to be checked in. You gotta think about how they grew up. Maybe no one cared about them and how you know what their well being was. And so when someone does that uh, reacts the way they react when, Hey man, you good. And they go, what you gave some, you know, that yeah. could be just yeah. them crying out for help. Like, Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you please keep, I just, I, I don't mean that. Do you, I, I, so I keep doing it and I feel like, uh, the more, I, I think we should make that a bit more of a thing is just, you know, how you doing? How was your day? Not even just for your friends. I think I say it was up to people at the grocery store at, at my dog walks, Anywhere I go, you know, yo, nice, uh, uh, nice shoes. Where you getting from, man? Ah, blah blah blah. You know, uh, actually, having a dog really opened up a lot of conversations for me <laughs> with people <laughs> on the street and shit. And I sure. feel like, uh, yeah, man. You know, I, I don't know. I just feel like um, we shouldn't stop at just people we know. I think yeah. you never know how impactful a hello or a how you doing to anybody could be because we're all, again, we're all got some. You know, everyone's got their own shit they're going through, and I think. To know that you're you're cared about and that someone's thinking about you in any way possible, you know, in any way, ma- makes me feel not so alone in all this shit, you know. And in doing so, conversely, hopefully, that's what you just did for that other person that you spoke to, that you gave a compliment to, that you said hi to, that saw your dog, that put a smile on their face, so on and so forth. I mean, this whole, you know, for me on a zoom out macro level, we're all connected. This is all one big human community and, and we're all connected. So in order to lift each other up, we're lifting ourselves up. And if we're lifting ourselves up, we're lifting each other up and it is one-to-one. So, you know, the simplest thing, be kind to other people and yourself it's a truism, as simple as it sounds. Yeah, start with yourself, man. I always feel like um, someone asked me uh, if I had any New Year's resolutions, and I was like, nah, you know, I, I take it a day at a time, dude. Mm. What can you do today to make tomorrow even better? But mm. start with today, you know, just worry about that and don't overwhelm yourself with trying to change the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, and you can work on changing yourself first and your habits and how you react and respond and treat people you know start there and i think it'll it 
I'm hoping it has a domino effect. I love that. I love that. The last thing I want to ask you before mm-hmm. we get out of here is, you know, you're alluding to taking care of yourself and I'm a huge believer in that. Is there any things that you do from a wellness perspective, no wrong answers, but anything you do for your mind, your body, physical, that that is just grounding. That's your, you know, I like to say anchor. Well, I actually took it from the rock, but whatever. It's your anchor of, you know, of how you ground yourself on on a daily basis that has you mentally fit or spiritually fit or physically fit and they all play on one another. Yeah. I like to stay connected to my childhood. Hmm. That's one thing I do. Going back and watching old Nickelodeon cartoons or things that would make me happy, keep that inner child sort of Yeah nice and dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, most of the time I try to meditate. And I know for a lot of people, when I recommend that to them, they get confused. So you just sit there for what, eight (laughs) minutes, 10 minutes, just, what do you do? I'm like, that's exactly what you do. You do nothing. You do nothing and focus on your breathing for 10 minutes. And you, you try and do that as long as you can do it longer and longer, uh, do it twice a day. I try yeah. to do it like before I go to bed. And when I wake up, I try to do that if, um, if I truly need it. Um, but I do it and that helps a great amount. I like to, I've been filling my room up with, um, flowers and fresh aromas, eucalyptus and cherry yeah. blossoms and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I love nature. I forgot how much I love nature. <laughs> I was like, you know what I mean? Like you live in a city, you just like, yeah, I'll just this smog is fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it. You know, you just kinda we sacrifice so much as as people. And I think we need to give that give some stuff back. Um, or take some stuff back. I think uh what I wanted to take back was being around flowers and, and nature. Yeah. Uh when I moved to New York and LA. I'm from Maryland, so like I was near the woods a lot and I miss that smell that just that fresh smell of being and, you know, just around animals and, you know, the backwoods and shit. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I don't know what it is, but it just brings me back home. So I wanted to film, fill the house up with, with sort of similar smells and that really, it changes my attitude like mm-hmm. almost instantly. Smells can do that. Yeah. yeah. And I also just try to go to the beach every Sunday. Dope. I go to the beach every Sunday. Dope. Yeah, waves crashing. They uh they help move the the mind a little bit. Absolutely. Keep it going. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's so kinetic. I fucking love the beach. And I go I do jujitsu. I do jujitsu. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, How, how's that yeah. been going? Fuck. I we did <laughs> ten rounds yesterday. We did ten rounds, ten eight minute rounds mm. with all different partners and uh it was in a it was a beautiful experience. It was my second time doing it, and this is the first time I finished it because it's hard. Congrats, congrats. I, yeah, that's great. No. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate it. it my, yeah, it, I'm super proud of myself, and I'm not even that sore. So I, I think I was doing something right. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, and I'm going back later. Um, it, that's been a huge factor in um me staying grounded was being around people who aren't necessarily in this industry. Yeah, are just working class, badass, like people who live honest, working, beautiful lives and just want to learn a martial art. 
that is so inherently kind of strange in a way and yet brutal yeah and beautiful at the same time yeah um it's uh it's it's a cool group of like-minded individuals who i just like being around so i think that helped too kind of refreshed it kind of just was like super endearing but also was refreshing to be around a different group of people yeah who uh weren't actors or comedians and i thought that was uh that was cool i haven't felt like that since i started like skateboarding when i was in high school <laughs> yeah just like a group of, again, a group of misfits who just like, you know, want to continue to get better and learn this uh, very unique sport. And that, it brought me back to a, again, a simpler, more um, curious time in my childhood. Yeah. 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 Um, and again, I, like, I like staying connected to it. Damn, dude. There, you know, huh, we're, we're going to, we're going to talk again on this mic. Okay. I, I got to get you back because there are so many things that you just brought up that we still haven't scratched the surface on with each other. No, There's yeah. a lot of similarities. There's a lot of similar experiences and a, and a oh, lot wow. of okay. interest. Yeah, bro. Like you, you mentioned skateboarding. You mentioned mm-hmm. the, the nature and the connectedness and the beach. I, I was a beach boy in my soul. In New York, that was half the reason why I came out to LA was was because of wow. Yo, I lived in New York for eight years, man. I, I wanted to see a, a beach, like I wanted. I just wanted that, yeah, that stereotypical like rocket power life. I was like, man, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that and um, oh my god, and and what you're talking about with nature. I mean that that's that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at, and. Whew. All right, we're gonna do a part two on that because um, I could just yeah, keep rolling man. with you, brother. Um, look, people, make sure you stay connected with Jermaine. Stay connected with him on Instagram, Jermaine Fowler, F O W L E R, and make sure you are watching the drop on Hulu now streaming. It's dope. It's funny. It'll mess with your head in the best way possible. <laughs> Psychological comedy, man. It is. It. <laughs> That's what it. Is. That's exactly what it is. I, and I and I love that. Yeah, brother. So look forward to the next conversation. And uh, folks, in the meantime, don't forget to tell another brother, king or queen, about man to man, so we can keep wellness revolution going. And if you're liking what you're hearing. Give us those five stars. Leave us a review. You've been so kind to the show. You brought it to prominence. You're the reason why this thing keeps going. And if you want to hear me connect with somebody in particular on Man to Man, hit me up on my IG at Waziki, W-A-S-I-C-K-I. Till next week, peace, love, and stay connected, fam. <laughs>